If you would, please join me in taking out your Bibles and turning, uh, not to Galatians, where we've been, but uh, one letter over to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. As we turn to God's Word, let's turn to Him once again in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would open our hearts to your word and open your word to our hearts this morning, that we would know what we are to believe about you and also what duty you ask of us. Father, we want, as we just sang, to know the risen Christ more and more. And in knowing the risen Christ, Father, help us to love him, obey him, Find our rest and our security in Christ alone. Be with us now, Father, through your word and spirit, we pray. Amen. Those of you that have been around a while know that in our Reformed tradition, uh, every Lord's Day, once a week, we acknowledge and remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't have to wait for a year Every Lord's Day worship service is a a reminder of the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the promised return of Christ. And yet, of course, today is Easter Sunday. And so I thought it would be appropriate for us to uh, uh, break off briefly from our series in Galatians and uh, look at a few verses in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and one verse in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, Again, we've been in our series, The Gospel According to the Bible, an exposition of the letter letter to the Galatians. And we've been hearing recently about the Christian conflict, as we've been in chapter 5, that the battle is not so much out there in our culture as the battle is in here, in our hearts, where what we were according to the natural birth is, is, is fighting what we are becoming and have become by the new birth. A few weeks ago, we talked about the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the Spirit, and there was a vice list with a warning, and then a virtue list with an encouragement. And of course, that virtue list pointed us to none other than Jesus Christ, the only one who has fully and completely embodied the fruit of of the Spirit. Now, last week we we looked at verses uh, 24 and 26 of Galatians 5 in dying to live, where the Christian life we once again saw as a conflict, where uh, we are called to walk by the Spirit, to provide no opportunity for the flesh, and to put sin to death, not just to death, but to death by crucifixion, as Paul writes in verse 24. Well, where do we get the power to do that? Where do we get the power to fight sin, to to put sin to death? Where does the power for that come from? Now, there's a clue in Galatians chapter 1. I want everybody to turn back now to Galatians 1, the first verse. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man. But through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me. Look at that. Through Jesus Christ and God the Father, comma, who raised him from the dead. 
Children, have you ever played Connect the Dots? Have you ever played that? Anybody? Adults, do you like Connect the Dots? You know, it's, it's that thing where you just follow the numbers, right? And after a while, you see the picture, right? You see there. Well, in, in many ways, um, there's a Connect the Dots in Scripture. In the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, it's painting one picture, uh, the whole of the New Testament is connected from Matthew to Revelation. It's, it's connected. Um, in Paul's letters, we will see that, that they're connected. And in Galatians, we've been seeing that in the last two chapters, Galatians 5 and 6, it's practical theology. It's putting doctrine uh, to work. And you will see that also in, Galatians, in, in um, uh Ephesians chapter 6, it's putting doctrine to work. I want us to uh, look now at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Whereas uh, Galatians is kind of divided into three parts, uh, chapters 1 and 2, 3 and 4, 5 and 6. Uh, Ephesians is kind of two parts, 1 through 3 and 4 through 6. And in chapter uh, 6, in verse 10, we read this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. It's a command. It's an imperative. And we've been seeing in Galatians 5 commands and imperatives. Now when Paul says finally, it's, it's, it's not like uh, this is the end, but rather henceforth, from now on, for the remaining time, Paul has been saying there's peace with God, but it's going to be peace in the midst of a struggle. Because those of you that were with us a number of years ago, when we looked at Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, we saw the battle we face, the battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. We saw the weakness that you and I possess, but we also saw the strength that God provides. This command, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. We are called to be strong as we face an enemy who is wicked, powerful, cunning in his deceit. Now, verse 10 of chapter 6 is an echo. An echo of chapter 1, verse 19. When Paul urges us to draw upon the power, the might, and the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ, he uses, interestingly, the exact same trio of words that he uses earlier in his letter in chapter 1 verse 19 so let's go to chapter 1 verse 19 let's explore this verse in the context of this entire prayer so join with me as I read verses 15 through 23 of Ephesians 1 For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know What is the hope to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? 
according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Did you hear those requests in that prayer? The first request that, that they would be given a spirit of wisdom and of knowledge in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And another request, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened, the heart being the center of perception and decision. And another request is that they may know three things. That they may know three things. And the first thing is the hope to which He has called them. Here's, here's an aspect of the past. They've been called but also the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, looking to the future, but also the immeasurable riches of his power, the immensity of his power, not in the past, not in the future, but now in the present. Paul is praying that their spiritual eyes would be opened yet wider to see what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. Notice, it's not that they would be given power, but to know the power of God that is already at work in them. So let's take a look now at God's power. What is God's power? Notice Paul's vocabulary. He's trying to describe the immeasurable greatness of his power. Here's an attempt to exhaust the resources of the Greek language by piling up four graphic synonyms for power in order to convey an, express, an expression of something of divine might. How do you describe the indescribable? And the emphasis here as he piles up these words, the immeasurable greatness of his power, the, the emphasis is not on their differences but on their similarities. To, to draw attention to them. God's power in general. We know that God is powerful as He works in creation, as He works in providence. And as we heard in our Old Testament passage from Isaiah 40 about God's power and might to save. And we see that in the history of God's people. But I want us to spend a moment now, looking at how Paul illustrates God's power. He uses an illustration, resurrection power. The power God exercised when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Y'all remember our final sermon in Mark's gospel? Jesus was dead and buried. Jesus is alive and well. Nothing reveals the power of God as does the resurrection. Why? Why? Because man has not been able to conquer death. Man is powerless when it comes to death. He can postpone it, but death will come. 
again in verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. He worked in Christ according to the working of his great might at the end of 19. The working of his great might. Another translation could be this. The energy of the might of his strength. The cross, as we've been singing, is the greatest demonstration of the love of God. The the mercy and justice of God meet at the cross and there is love. Not that we loved God, John writes, but God loved us. And Christ died for us. The cross is the greatest demonstration of the love of God and the empty tomb is the greatest demonstration of the power of God. He's able to overcome sin and death. Man in general, and you and I in particular, and I'll speak of me, we attempt to control our world, don't we? We make decisions as to how we can control our little world. But there are two powers that we cannot control. The power of death and the power of evil. Man is mortal. You and I are mortal. We cannot avoid death, but we are also fallen. We cannot overcome evil in and of ourselves. But God in Christ, as the scriptures proclaim, has conquered both. Death is a bitter and a relentless enemy, but God has done what man cannot do. Paul writes in Colossians 2, and I know the women in their Bible study may remember this, having been buried with him in his in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. It's not just the power of God that Paul is talking about. He's talking about the power of God in you. In who? In those who believe. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Some of you may be familiar with Romans chapter 1 where Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Power is available only to those who believe. The words of Paul's prayer here point us back to the blessings and resources that have become ours in Christ as the one who has conquered all his and our enemies. Because Jesus is truly representative, his resurrection, his glorification are a picture of what God has and will accomplish in us. How? The power of God in you. How? Through union with Christ. Some of you may be familiar with with Ephesians. And in it Paul speaks of in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And fairly often we sing in Christ alone. Union with Christ. A faith union joined with Christ. Everything that that happened to Christ happens to us. His death, His resurrection, our death, His resurrection. Hope, security in Christ, in Christ alone. 
the power in, of God in you. What kind of power? Paul, again, is going to talk about resurrection power. There's a benediction we sometimes use from Ephesians 3. According to the power at work within us. What kind of power? Paul is going back. It's resurrection power. Salvation is the demonstration of the power of God in us. And anytime someone is converted, anytime someone goes from dead in sin to alive in Christ, we have seen a raw a demonstration of the raw power of God. Some of you sitting here may be those who were walking one way and you met Jesus and now you're walking that way. You know what I'm talking about. The raw power of God in conversion. And even those of us who may have grown up in Christian homes, what a wonderful blessing that is. You know the power of God in salvation. Again, it's worth repeating, there are two powers that man cannot control. Death and evil. And our news makes that so clear. Day after day after day. Man is mortal. He cannot avoid death. Man is fallen. He cannot overcome evil. But Christ has conquered both. And therefore Christ is the only one who can rescue us from both. So it's the resurrection power of God in you. In you specifically for the struggle and the battle that you face. And so let's look finally at the power of God in you in the battle. Now I'd be uh, willing to bet that most of our failures and defeats in this battle are due to our foolish self-confidence when we do not believe or we forget how formidable our spiritual enemies are, whether it's the world system, whether it's our own flesh, whether it's the powerful and wicked and cunning work of the devil. We are strong and we stand when we recognize and live in view of the reality that only the power of God can defend us and deliver us from the might and the evil of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And again, in Galatians, Paul's emphasis is on the flesh. Here at the end of Ephesians and back to the beginning, the emphasis is on the devil, but it's part and parcel of the enemies that we face in the battle. So what does resurrection power look like in the battle? Go back to 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And then Paul will go on to describe the armor of God that the Christian suits up in. It's not only saving power, but it is sanctifying power. It is transforming power. It is the gospel that not only brings someone from death to life, but also from life to more life. And whenever we say no to sin, we are demonstrating resurrection Going back to Galatians, have crucified the flesh, are walking by the Spirit. Anytime we put the flesh to death, anytime we say no to sin, it's resurrection power. Think back with me to this last week. 
Has resurrection power been operative in your life? Some of us, all of us, struggle, don't we? Just one more. All, nobody will know what it's going to hurt. My friends, God has power available to say no to sin and yes to righteousness and holiness. It's resurrection power. We're called in Galatians to stand firm. How do we do that? How do we stand firm in the freedom? Resurrection power. How do we, through love, serve one another? Resurrection power. How do we walk by and live by the Spirit? Resurrection power. Now, how does resurrection power work in the battle? This may surprise you. It surprised me. But it works through humility. God gives us the power to humble ourselves before Him and one another. Turn with me over to James. James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. But He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Going down to verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Turn one more letter over. 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour Resist him, firm in your faith. There's a pattern. Humble yourself, God will exalt you, then you resist. Humble yourself, God will exalt you, then you resist. I'm afraid that most of us try to resist before we humble ourselves. Now why is humility important? Look at Galatians. Where were we last week in Galatians? Chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Remember those verse, that verse at the end was the practical outworking of belief. Do not be conceited. Why? Because you have everything you need in Christ. You don't need to feel superior to anyone. You don't need to feel inferior to anyone. Therefore, you can serve and love. Why is this kind of power effective in the battle? Because it's not a power that you or I well up in and of ourselves. It comes from outside of us, but now resides in us. It is the resurrection power of Christ applied by the Holy Spirit. 
Because Christ, through His resurrection, He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. And you, being united to Christ by faith, have also conquered sin and death. Remember, Jesus said, in the world you'll have trouble, but in me you'll have peace. And John reminds us that greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. So as we wrap up, I want us to hear the words, or at least a couple of verses, from our New Testament reading. Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. That I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and may share His suffering. Becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So, the question that God's word presses upon us right now is this Do you know the power of his resurrection? Did you know it this past week? Will you know it next week? Well, maybe here's a better question. Do you want to know the power of His resurrection? May God be pleased to give all of us here at Grace and Peace a growing knowledge of the power of His resurrection and a growing desire and a growing ability to rely on that power And not our own. In the battle. In the struggle. In the conflict. Against the world. The flesh and the devil. My friends. Peace with God through faith in Christ. Starts the war. It starts the war against the world. It starts the war against the flesh. And it certainly starts the war against the devil. Some of us are looking for for uh, ease and comfort and hostilities to cease here and now. But oh, it's coming. It's coming. We have a foretaste of it now. And the place where that peace and that joy and that power is most concentrated is in the body, the church, who we heard earlier that Christ is head over all. My friends, let's with joy know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just a fact of history, as great and as good as that is. My friends, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is power for you today to humble yourself, to fight sin, What a joy, what provision that God has provided for us in Christ. And may this Easter day for all of us be a great reminder of all that we have in Christ and in particular, His resurrection power in us. Let's pray.
Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, would you forgive us, forgive me, for attempting to fight the fight, to participate in the battle, to serve in the struggle in my own strength. Father, we thank you that you are pleased to show us in many ways the battle we face, the weakness we possess, but also the strength that you provide. Father, would you enable all of us today to know the power of Christ's resurrection so that we can be indeed strong in you and in the strength of your might. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.